Hey everyone, welcome to Reality Tonight. I'm your host, Rit. So happy you're here with me today. Uh, okay. So, okay, so I have this problem. It's not really a problem. It's just this situation I tend to get myself in all the time where I always have to be obsessing over something, whether it's, okay, I'm gonna buy a new couch, let me Google every place that sells furniture available and try out different uh, swatches and order the swatches and take pictures and place the picture in the little simulator thing. Then I'll spend like a week and a half obsessing, I'll get everyone's opinion and then I'll do nothing, right? So like the last big one I did was my wall color and my living room layout, which I finally found the perfect shade of blue to repaint my living room and moved everything around and so that's done. So I have been searching for a new thing to obsess over. Well, yesterday I was randomly on Zillow, which already mistake, and I found this apartment. Now, I, I like my place very much. It's like the front unit of a duplex, so it feels like a house, but it is a two bedroom, one bath, which isn't a lot of space. And of course, you know, working from home and all this, I mean, I could, I could just use the extra room. So I found this place that's a three bedroom, two and a half bath. It's in the same place I live. I mean, it's, it's in Burbank and it's a townhouse. So it's like a few floors and there's balconies and there's a little fireplace and it's like tons of space and whatever. So it seemed really cool. I have to say the architecture borders on Jersey Housewives. Like they have those tray ceilings and these finishes that are, that if it was like 1995, it would be high luxury. It's a little, um, it's a little unfortunate, but like there's all this like recessed lighting and things to make up for it. So I can, I can look past some of those like weird carvings or whatever. So I saw this place at, I saw I saw the Zillow listing at like 10 a.m. I was like, all right, well maybe hypothetically I could just go see it. And then I saw that the realtor managing it was Indian. Now this is when I was like, oh my God, this would be my in. Because if he's Indian, you know, I could get him to be a little flexible. It's just this weird thing with other Indian people where you can like kind of nudge them into making deals and shit. So. I tracked down that realtor's number and I texted him and heard nothing back. So I was like, well, everywhere else I look, the contact information for the apartment is just the apartment's address. So maybe that's a way of saying like, oh, go to the apartment and you can let yourself in. Cause some places do this, by the way, some empty units will let you go inside and just like look around yourself. And then there's an application on the, on the counter. So I thought, okay, maybe this is that. So it's like 1030. So I go there and the gate is locked. Or rather the gate is open, but the door to the unit is locked. And I was like, fuck, okay. Maybe this just isn't meant to be right now. But then I was like, let me call the number of that realtor instead of texting him because he was an older Indian guy. Maybe he's not a texter, I don't know. So I call him and he was like, oh, you know, that was my, it's actually my client. He owns the townhouse, but I just, um, I just got him a new house and he's looking to lease that townhouse. So I just put the video up on my YouTube page for him. I was like, all right, that seems like a terrible idea if you have nothing to do with this new unit, but fine. So he was like, let me put you in touch with him. And as I was on the phone with him, I saw an Indian guy go into this unit and into this like whole building. And there's like four units. So I was like, this is totally the guy who owns the unit, who is the one managing the leasing of this place. So I call the guy, he picks up and he's like, oh, I'm here right now. Do you want to come by and see it? And I was like, oh, I'm here. I just happen to be here to check out the place. So I go in, I look around, it has its pluses and minuses, like all places do. It's obviously not as big as it looks in the pictures, but one room was painted purple and one room was painted orange. And I said to him, look, I mean, I know I'm like jumping ahead here, but I, th these rooms, they have to be 
painted neutral. And he was like, well, I don't know. They have to kind of stay the same. And then I was like, oh, I have my mask on. He doesn't know I'm Indian because this guy's also Indian too. So I get to the roof and I go, oh, this roof reminds me of my grandmother's uh, roof on her house in India. And he was like, oh, are you of Indian origin? And I was like, oh yeah, I am. So he was like, okay, okay, yeah. So I finished seeing the place and then he asked me some general questions and he was like, by the way, if you want those rooms painted a neutral color, like we can, we can work something out. And I was like, oh, that's so great, awesome. So then, long story short, sorry, this is going on and on. I, I went home and I texted him and I was like, you know, um, the price, I mean, it, it is a little overpriced. And I was like, um, you know, it's a great place. It's just the price is not for me. And he was like, well, the price is negotiable. And I was like, okay, never heard that for rent, but sure. So I countered with something that was literally $1,000 less. And um, I have not heard from him since. So I thought, okay, maybe I insulted him. So I just circled back with him and we'll see if he, you know, if he ever comes back to me, but I can't stop thinking about this place. And it's not even that it's so amazing, but it's just, you know, it's just like, it has all of these things that I know are so hard to find now in apartments here and it's a townhouse. So it's like multiple floors. So you can have company over, but there's privacy from upstairs. I don't know guys. So I'm just worried that I've cursed myself and I'll be obsessed over this for the rest of the week and won't be able to focus on work. So anyway, that's where I'm at. Please let me know if you have the same problems I do where you always have to be obsessing over something to the point where it ruins your life. Okay, all that aside, I have a great interview today with Joey Sasso from The Circle. And what I really enjoyed about this interview, I don't love talking about the interview before the interview. I think that's so, I just don't like doing it, but I'm doing it to just frame it for you because if you have seen The Circle, Joey comes across as this really sweet, kind of like Jersey Italian guy, even though he's not from Jersey, he's from Rochester, New York. But he's one of those guys where if you just saw him and saw him like, you know, answer a question or something, you'd be like, oh, I have this guy figured out. If you saw the show, you saw that he is like all heart, really sweet guy, not at all like what you might assume based on looks. And he would agree with this and I don't think this would offend him either. So I knew going in like, okay, I, I know, I think I know what to expect. When we started the conversation, I actually learned a lot about him that had nothing to do with being a reality star, nothing to do with the circle, and that he moved out to LA to become an actor and a filmmaker. And that's been his lifelong dream since he was like the tiniest of tiny kids. And we ended up talking a lot about that because of course, you know, I mean, I made a short film too and I would love to do more in the scripted space and I just haven't. So we talked a lot about that transition of how hard it is out here to be someone known for unscripted and you wanna work in scripted. So the conversation was a lot, uh, a lot of unexpected things we touched on and it was really, really interesting. Oh. oh, man, I thought that was the guy and it's not, it's just my friend. Anyway, so it was just really interesting. And then we, of course, recapped Jersey a bit. He, had, he hadn't really seen it, but his family's obsessed with it. So to hear his take and which of the housewives he is very attracted to, you'll have to keep listening on because we talk about that as well. So um, I've already yammered on and on. Don't forget to follow me on Reality Tonight on Instagram and Twitter. And please don't forget to leave a rating and leave a review. And please don't forget to reach out to me and let me know what you're obsessed about this week because um, I feel like I have a problem where I always need to be like a hamster on a wheel. And I need to know that I'm not alone in that. Okay, without further ado, let's check in with Joey. So Joey, aside from being the winner of The Circle and being an actor and a writer and a producer, you at one point were a bartender at Oil Can Harry's, correct? 
Yes, I worked there for about seven, seven and a half years. You were, in fact, my bartender. I, re I remember you, and I remember seeing you on the circle and being like, this guy looks really familiar. And then I made the connection. Uh, that place is so interesting. How would you describe Little Can Harry's? I mean, it's the oldest gay bar in Cali well, in L.A., but I don't think for people who walk in, they would ever know it's a gay bar until, mm -hmm. like, you're hanging out there for a little bit and – it's just a place that is so welcoming to every single person. Doesn't matter, you know, your gender, your sexuality, uh, everyone just welcome with open arms. And it's just, it's so sad to see that after 52 years that the bar is, you know, officially closed down. It's just terrible. So that's true. It really is shut down. It really is shut down. It's absolutely awful. I can't believe it. That place was like a home to me and, and, Everyone I worked with was really like family. Like I truly love them like family. It, it's really unbelievable. Oh man, that's a, 52 years. That is such a long time. That's super sad. It's so funny you say like, it really is like when you walk in, I, I'd only been there that one time for my friend Kristen's birthday. There's like, there's an upstairs and there was a downstairs, right? Mm -hmm. So we went downstairs and it was like a disco night. So everyone's dancing and everything. And I was like, oh, this place is so interesting. And the crowds parted and I saw a lawyer from the company I was working at who is the most serious guy on the planet doing like disco dancing with his wife, like just having the best time. And I was like, that guy's here. Like it was such a, it was such a weird. And I was like, wow, this is really a place where people just come to just totally let loose. Like, and it's not just a gay bar. It's for literally like everyone. So, um, oh, that's, that's really sad that it closed. So that was in, I think it was 2019 and the circle aired January, like top of the pandemic, right? Yep. Yep. So when did you, how did that come about? So let's first start from, was there an audition process and what was that like to be on a show like that? Yeah, there was an audition process. So actually how I got on the show was uh, I have a friend who I worked with, who was a casting director who worked at oil cans, you know, just for extra shifts, my buddy, Raphael, and he was casting the show and he had cast uh, RuPaul's Drag Race and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Me and him had, we've just built, you know, a great friendship over the years from working with each other. You know, he's Italian from New York. I'm Italian from New York. And at the time I was actually going through like a really low point in my life because I had an ex-girlfriend in many years. We had just broken up. I had just wrapped uh, production on my feature film that should be hopefully coming out this year. That was like a 10 year process. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Yep. Yeah. And it was just a crazy low point in my life of like trying to rebuild. And he had told me I'm casting this thing. You have to come in for it. And I was like, I don't do reality. Mm -hmm. Like, because all you ever hear was like, you don't do reality. Cause I'm a film dude, man. Like film is my life acting, writing. Like that's my life. I really have never been into the reality world whatsoever. And, you know, I think the, the weird thing is a lot of actors who I've met, they don't have any personalities and they're yeah. very, you know, just not very personable type of people yeah. where I have a huge personality just from where I come from and type of family I come from and everything. So, you know, Raph had told me, you got to come in. And I told him, look, it like, I don't do this, but I was like, I'll go in just to appease my friend because, mm -hmm. you know, like you don't ever want to burn any bridges or do anything like that. But I'm like, I'm not going to get this. And I don't want to get this. Like, let's just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And I had never gone in on an audition for anything reality based, which was just being yourself. And, uh, you know, just, I'm just asking you questions and not having to turn off your personality at all. So it just became a thing where every single stage of the casting process, like I just breezed through it and it was 
just very carefree of not even having any expectations of anything. I'm just like, Hey, like, let's just keep seeing what happens here. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was completely wrong and changed my life overnight. And I'm just so blessed for the entire experience. That's amazing. Was there ever a concern that as an actor, because so much of what is lost these days, I love, I'm a big old Hollywood person. And what was so great about that time was you didn't know everything about the actors and the stars. There was this mystery and an aura and they, it was like so cool. And now we know everything about everyone. Was yep. there a hesitation from your end about, okay, if I go on a reality show as myself, will people know me too much, like too personally for me to be able to sum myself as an actor, as like, that's, as a different character? Honestly, that's still what I live with today. Just for, just for the presence I, I have, because you know, I'm a I'm trapped in the 70s in so many ways that everyone knows I'm just an old soul. And mm -hmm. there's so many things with today's world and generation that I just can't stand. It just makes me sick. And I just prefer all the people I grew up idolizing, I knew nothing about. Mm -hmm. And besides their work and what they what they shared in their work, whether it was a performance or something they wrote or directed. And, you know, that's what was interesting to me. And now we live in a day and age where you're seeing the biggest stars under the sun having to change the game plan of putting themselves out there because that's where the marketplace is. And that's what you sort of have to do is people demand to know you and your life and everything. And it's, it's really shitty to be honest with you. Like I'm not that dude at all, but you know, I just feel like, okay, I'm in a weird position. I never thought I would be in where I kind of have the 50 50 split going on here of having people know my personality, my personal life, but I'm still a filmmaker, a writer, like that's where my passion is. So I feel like people have been very drawn to me for me just being who I am. Just that's nothing about me has ever been faked or put on. Everything has always been real for better or for worse. So I'm just sort of of the mindset of if people, if people respond to that, that's really dope and that's awesome. And I don't want to turn myself away from any opportunities that can come from that. So let me embrace who I am, like I always have in my life and continue to do the things I do in my career and let my my work speak for itself. That's amazing. Do you find, and I find this too, because I, I work in reality, but I also, I mean, I, I made a short film a few years ago and I wanna keep doing things like that. What people don't understand is you, it's not easy to transition from reality to scripted. Like a lot of people in scripted don't even recognize reality as a thing. So the things that I do in post-production and reality and storytelling, I can't just, like translate that job into scripted. They'll be like, no, 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 you got to start way at the beginning. And now I'm at a point where they're like, well, you can't start at the beginning because you've been doing this for too long. So you'll get bored. So I'm stuck in this thing where I can't really move over. Did you experience that also? Like, did you think, did you think that being on the show would help with your film and did it? Or were you surprised to see that it didn't? Um, a little bit of both all, all around. If anything, I just thought, you know, a little exposure never hurts anyone for anything because we'll see what comes from that. But I always tell people I walk into meetings and I've done this since the shows come out and I call it out very, very abruptly and head on that. Look at, let's just be clear about this. All we ever see is people hit it on a reality show. And then all of a sudden I'm an actor, I'm a singer, I'm this. And then it's like, no, you're fucking not. Right. Like you're looking for a way to stay relevant. You're looking for a way to, to keep in the limelight where my thing is I'm a fucking actor. I'm a filmmaker. I just happened to fall into this reality shit and I wasn't expecting it. And I've had the same things of people be kind and say, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. But you know, they don't believe that. And then they'll see your work. They've seen my work. And then they're like, holy shit, no, you're a fucking actor. I'm like, mm -hmm. 
yeah, like that's, yes, like that's what it is. So, you know, I find that going on the show again, I could never, I could never speak badly about it, about it because it, it really changed my life overnight and it's, it's afforded me so many amazing opportunities in a new career I never was after while going after what I've always been after. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest with you, it doesn't, it doesn't really deter me too much because I've always been a person that's had to work very hard to prove myself and earn my keep, so to speak. So I sort of love the fact that I'm in a realm now to where I know there will be people who will fuck with me because they like my personality, but I know there are so many people who won't because they're like, you're just a reality kid. And I'm like, all right, that's been the story of my life of I'm going to work my ass off to really prove those people wrong and, and prove that I deserve to be where I'm at. And, uh, you know, I just, all I ever ask is for the opportunity to do so. Like it, it is weird that, you know, before going on the show, I couldn't get casted because of people like they would never, it was about my work. It was always, you're too specific. You're too, you're too Italian. You're too New York, this and that. Now that's what everyone's embraced me for is all those things that sort of kept me out. But at the same point, I can't get in for those auditions now, or no matter how big my following is, no matter how big my name becomes, because it's your scene as the reality dude. So that's where it's like, all right, thank God I've always been a writer and a filmmaker because I don't have to depend on anybody to, to, you know, look at the focus of my career. And that's honestly always been since the beginning, it's been, I'm not waiting on anyone when it comes to my career, because, you know, you can't put your future in anyone's hands in this business. So it's been, it's been a very interesting time for sure, but it's, it's a time to, I'm very excited for the future and the things that are currently in development. That's amazing. It sounds like you really have a plan for yourself and you're not just like, I guess I'll do this. I guess I'll do that, which is awesome. So you're from Rochester, right? When, When did you move out to LA and what was like leading up to, to the circle? Like, was it, I imagine it was a lot of like hustle and grind and just auditions after auditions. Like what was that whole period like for you? Oh man. Like this, it's what's made me so humble and continue to stay grounded. Uh, I moved out here when I was 18, right out of high school. Like I got my high school diploma a month later. I was out here. I, I've known since I was three years old, what I wanted to do you know, film is my life. It always has been. I wanted to be a director before anything. And I grew up making my own films and writing and studying every facet of the industry and production, because I always knew this is where I wanted to be. And I wanted to be a hustler and be a player. So I knew college wasn't going to be for me. Moved out here and just sort of was like, all right, shit, I got to find a way to just get going. Cause like, you dream about this your whole life, but you don't know what, what the hell do you actually do? Like when mm-hmm. you get here. So it was years of trial and error and, and putting yourself out there making connections and God, man, like just, this is the business of no. And I mean, I had 10 years of just rejection at every single point while working on my own shit, you know, doing my own thing because it just never has made sense to me for a lot of the people I meet in the business. They truly don't even have a passion for film. Mm-hmm. How do you put your whole life, everything this business, this career takes, how do you do, come pursue this and truly not have that passion for everything about the industry and the arts all the way around. And, you know, I, I was always working on my own material with my, with my partner uh, while 
doing everything that we had to do to try to make a name for ourselves in the business. So like I've interned at Blumhouse Produ Productions. I've done assistants. I've done PA. I've done every single thing. I hustled my way in with agents and managers and auditions and every single thing you could think of. I was never afraid to, to take my shot. So it's been, it's been a whirlwind. It's like crazy time. Wow. Isn't it interesting? I often forget because I'm, I actually feel very similar to you in that I knew I always wanted to be in TV or film storytelling, like that was just something that always, you know, pulled me out here. And I did have a bit of a hang up for a while where I was doing it in reality TV and I'm like, well, this doesn't count because it's not scripted. But over time, I've come to really accept like, no, this is also storytelling and this is also hard work and it counts, you know. Mm -hmm. But we often forget, at least I often forget that not everyone is lucky enough to know what they want to do since they're three or whatever, you know. And, <clears throat> and then you and that's got to be tough because then it's like, well, what do I want to do? What's my passion? I guess I'll do this. And it's actually not a common thing to know exactly what you want to do. So I, often, I always have to remind myself, like, you're very lucky to have that focus to know what you want to do. I think, I think it's the same for you, right? Like, you've just, you've just always known. Dude, it's, it's crazy. I can't tell you how many friends in my life throughout the course of my life have, we've had this exact same conversation because, you know, like I said, since I was a kid, since I was a child, I, I've always known and it's never changed. My entire family knew, my friends, everyone knew. Like it, I've always been very consistent with who I've been since I've been a child. And I can't imagine going through life and not finding my way and not finding my thing. Like I always sort of looked at it as like, I'm a man of faith. Mm -hmm. And I just believe that God gave me a, a, a gift the gift of knowing my passion and knowing my thing, right? Since right, I right. was a kid. And I think his trade-off to me with that was, okay, I'm giving you something that the majority of people never get that they have to search their entire lives for. Mm -hmm. The trade-off for that is you have to work your fucking ass off to get it right. because I'm not going to give it to you easy. Like you've been given so much easily based on just having the gift of knowing and that knowledge. Now you have to work your ass off. So, you know, that's been that's been a journey in and of itself, man, because, you know, I'm, I'm a kid that pr I pride myself on being a very hard worker. And, uh, you know, if I wanted to be that normal kid from back home, I could have stayed home and done nothing, went to community college, took over my father's business, like the majority of kids whose father's own businesses do. And my dad never wanted that for me. I never wanted it for myself. And you know, it's been, it's been a, a long time of just, of really struggling. And it's, it's difficult when you know your potential, when you know your talent level mm -hmm. and you believe in yourself to continually just keep hitting that wall and being broke, trying to just make rent and do everything mm -hmm. for, you know, just years upon years over and over. Like I always tell people, it's a great conversation piece to talk about struggling for 10 years. Like that's a great conversation piece, but I always tell people like, if you're that person who's a dreamer and you're on the other side of trying to go for something, don't listen to the 10 year thing. Really imagine 10 years every single day of that being your life, because yeah. you don't ever see a change coming for all intents and purposes. You're like, this could be my life forever. I've no backup plan. I've no college degree. This could be my life. And if you, if you're still in the position of, you know, that, and you're still going to do what you want of pursuing do it because if I always tell people, if you could see yourself doing anything else, anything else in the world, do that because this is not a business you get into for fame, money, 
all the shit that you see some a lot of people move here to try to get and they quickly you know quit you got to be in it for the passion and love man like as cliche as that is you really have to you have to love it more than yourself it makes no sense for what we put ourselves through in this industry well you also have to really enjoy the process because more often than not you're living in the process and not in the final result like most of your time is going to be spent putting yourself out there and writing something and getting people to read it getting rejected getting notes like that's actually the majority of what you'll be doing and then you get an opportunity, you, you get to be in something, you, you get to make something, and then you're kind of back at it again, doing the whole thing. And it may sound depressing, but it's not. I mean, if you enjoy doing it, it's actually, you know, it's just, it's not just about coming out here and constantly having things produced and starring in things constantly. Like that's just a tiny fraction of what you really end up doing. My question for you is, so how many, how many apartments have you lived in, in LA? I love asking this question. Only three. So really? Only three. I, I've, I've lived at the same. So I live in, uh, you know, Avalon, Ava. Uh-huh. Yep. That complex. So I lived at the Studio City location first, but that used to be Archstone before it was acquired by Avalon. I've lived in a studio apartment uh, when I first moved out here. And then a year later, I did a I did long distance with my ex, my now ex, but who I was with at the time for a year. She moved out and then I moved up one floor to a one bedroom. I was in that unit for, I want to say six or seven years. I don't remember exactly how long we broke up. Was there a long, uh, another year after that? And then I moved to North Hollywood to the current place that I'm in right now. Wow. That's cause that's rare. I mean, usually, I mean, I feel like I've been like on five or six and I've been out here for um, 12, 13 years or something like that. But uh, moving is still, it's, it's such a bitch. It's I so hate hard. I hate moving. And I honestly, like, you know, when, when people ask you, like, what's the one job you'd never want to do? I think being a mover, like just yesterday, I was watching my neighbor was moving in and this mover was just, I mean, the things you have to carry upstairs and through doors. And it's just, it's, it's everything I hate. It stresses <laughs> me out just thinking about it. And like, I'm a collector of like, if you, I don't know if you can see my walls, I collect posters, vinyl. My, I, I'm the crazy dude who still buys movies. I love Blu-rays and yeah. physical media. So for me, when I move, it is such a process because I have so much shit and I'm actually currently trying to find a, a place to buy. I'm looking at places right now and it's really sad that I'm more upset and stressed about having to pack and figure that out than spending an insane amount of money to buy a place. So yeah, 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 absolutely. I will pay any amount of money to have everything kind of like taken care of and moved or whatever. I, cause you know, I've done enough of like, and then there's, I mean, friends don't do this anymore, but when they ask you if you'll help them move, it's like, I wouldn't ask you to do that. Like, why would you do that right. to me? It's like out here, it's like asking people to help you move and asking people to pick you up from LAX are the two things a oh, real friend wouldn't ask you to yeah, do. LAX is the fucking worst. Man. <laughs> yeah. I can't take it. That's why I'm just like that. I can tell you those few rare times when it's like, pick me up, I'm fine. And I'm like, all right, shit from Burbank. And I'm like, Oh my yeah. God. Yes. I got you. Yes. Yeah. Burbank is right down the, the airport's right down the street for me. And it's so convenient. I mean, it sucks to live under a flight path, but it's, it's really convenient. And again, I will pay a little extra just for that, but also JFK. I mean, JFK is also a pain in the ass as well. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I I've lived right down the street from Burbank for so many years and I, I can't tell you how many times I, I just, I'll spend that extra money to fly in or fly out just because it makes your life so much easier. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting that you're 
well, is it correct to say that your first writing producing, um, and I, I know you're starring in it as well, but let's talk about the writing producing aspect, Young Lion of the West. Yes. This is a full feature that you are, that you took on. I mean, I started with a short and I, I shot for three days and it was done and I was like, it was the most exhausting thing I ever did. What made you want to take on a full feature as like one of your early projects? Um, I mean, as I said before, I, I always knew before I even wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a director. So mm-hmm. every everything I've always looked at when it comes to cinema is through the lens of a, of a director and as a film. And it's like to me, it's like you could be a great actor, but if you're not, in a, not a great film, it doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? And that's where, where I love looking at actors who you clearly see who also love film as much as they love their their acting because you could see based on the projects they pick and the filmmakers they work with so i always knew looking at my career as i would have as a as a director even though i'm an actor that i need to have a strong filmography and i wanted to be making my own stuff and i knew that this was the first film that i had to make because when you look at directors careers and photographies typically the first one to two movies are low budget in their wheelhouse of something they can pull off and do. And, and for me, you know, I come from upstate New York and I was very, uh, you know, in my view, lucky to grow up with such a different cast of characters and see so much of uh, whether it was, you know, racism in the world and different colors of people and just so many different things that when you move out here, you don't see people talk about those things. You don't see people, yep. you know, act on that. And I know I, I, I'm very blessed to be able to be a, a people person in a lot of ways. And, and I'm able to write characters very easily. That comes very easy to me. And, you know, I worked on the screenplay with my writing partner for literally 10 years of mm-hmm. retooling it 20 some odd different drafts. And that's just one project on top of you know 30 other projects I've been writing and doing but I always knew that this had to be the first one and you know I have a lot of friends who will say like the whole like short thing why don't you make it as a short to make it into a feature and my thing is why do that when you just make the feature Mm -hmm. like because everyone's doing making shorts like just make the feature and you know we waited almost 10 years to do it and we were gonna try to uh you know, get it funded for insane amounts of money. And, and I mean, I had a manager at the time who told me this is your fourth movie. Like this needs to be your fourth movie in your filmography. because It's a very ambitious story. I mean, it goes against the rules of every first time feature, which is usually what, like one to two locations, mm-hmm. two to three actors, 90 pages. Like this was 135 pages. Oh, wow. Night clubs, shootouts, cops, uh, you know, seven to 10 principal, principal characters. I mean, it was very ambitious. It was budgeted at five to $10 million. We did not make it for five to $10 million. And everyone thinks we had a budget somehow. And, you know, it was really a, a place in my life where I was extremely depressed and down because I wasn't happy with where my career was at. And I had waited so many years to, to play this character. And, I just, I, my partner and I, we sort of gave ourselves like six months of like, we're going to do this. Let's get ready. Let's get as prepared as we can. I saved up six grand to have rent paid for months while I was gone. And Mm -hmm. we ended up going back to Rochester for three months and everything went wrong. Like literally everything went wrong that you can imagine, but somehow we pulled off this impossible task of people who see this film truly think we had a budget we had a crew we had well, i saw i saw a teaser that you posted um 
I think it was a while ago, but I, it, the scale of it is like, it's very impressive. I mean, it doesn't feel like oftentimes when you see someone's first film, you can, even from the teaser, you're like, all right, they had like one location, which is fine. I mean, it's totally yep. understandable, but this really felt like, I mean, there was like pyrotechnics involved and like, it was, yeah, it looks man. really cool. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, here's the thing. I, I truly don't ever want to be a hater, but I always try to keep it real because I do nothing but watch films and it's, it's, I watch everything new that comes out. And I think most times first time indies are really pieces of shit. And that's just being as honest as I could, because yeah. I think a lot of times, I mean, my thing was always, we would finish a day on set and my partner and I would be driving the equipment I mean, again, we're the writers, producer, director, we're doing everything. And my constant thought was always, if people watch this movie and they love it or hate it based on the story or my performance or whatever, that's fucking great. That means we did our job because what you're not doing is sitting there going, this is cheap. This is terrible. This is awful. Like most first time indies you watch, you're like, by first minute in, you're like, God, it's like they're trying to make a movie and it's not a movie and it's, it's just so painfully obvious and I got to sit here for 90 minutes that is just so stretched and you know but the then you have to afterwards be like wow like that was you know you got and because you don't want to lie you want to be honest but you also don't want to hurt feelings so right. you got to find something positive to say because you want to be encouraging yeah I've been there I mean I always keep it real with with friends who I have because I I would want them to always keep it real with me and and the, I've had a lot of people watch this this film now at, at different stages of of different cuts and whatnot and just seeing the reaction amazing it's not it's not all positive which is great like I'm not yeah. the sensitive artist dude that's like tell me I'm great tell me you love me like this is a hardcore movie it's not for it's not everyone's cup of tea and for the people who haven't responded to it it's because they're just not into that type of hard r gritty sure. yeah you know and and i and that makes me more excited to tell you the truth because i feel like in today's climate like i really do miss the the days of the 70s and 80s where films were made by filmmakers that had a voice and you sat down and you watched something and it, you clearly were in the hands of someone who was telling a story where today everything is so cookie cutter and just made to not offend anyone. And mm -hmm. my thing is I'm a filmmaker. This is this is my art. This is what I love. And and it's been truly amazing to have conversations with people after they watch it and then have people call me days afterwards and say how many things are sticking with them mm -hmm. afterwards. And I'm like, that just tells me I did my job and I just can't wait for the rest of the world to see it, man. It's a it's a trip. Are you allowed to, are you at a point where you can kind of talk about what it's about or are you kind of keeping it under wraps for no, now? No, yeah, I mean, I could totally talk about it. It's uh, it's about, uh, my character's name is Nick Donato and he's a, a nightclub promoter in Rochester, New York. And to tell you the truth, it's just sort of a coming of age slash cautionary tale. It's not a very plot driven film, which has always been my favorite types of films. I don't like the films a lot for me that are like A leads to B, which leads to C, which leads to D. Like everything I always go back to, it's all based on character. And if there's something I write really well, it's characters. And I, I don't ever want to be married to plot because I just don't think plot is very interesting. You know, like Scorsese is my ultimate hero and he has a huge thing that I just totally agree with of character dictates plot. Plot does not dictate character, but most of the times what we see is plot dictating character. Mm -hmm. And 
for me, it's just been a thing of, I like to sit down, write, come up with a crazy group of, of people. And then the fun is just putting them in situations that I want to see them in and just being a fly on the wall. And sometimes you just want to like, for me, like I, I look at movies like Dazed and Confused or things I love. And it's like, I want to throw those on just to go hang out with those people that I love. And no matter how many times I see it, it's, it's a familiarity to that world and that yeah. tone that pulls you in. So, you know, hopefully I did that with this. I think the fun has been seeing people uh, respond to different characters and also people who know me, that's the, that's the thing that's going to be really fun is people who know me from, you know, the circle and, and my personality, who I really am when they see me play a role like this for a lot of people, it's like shit, like, like it's, it's heavy. It goes different places. So that's been fun just on a small scale to see it on a bigger scale. When it actually comes out, that's going to be really dope. So when is that going to happen? So pandemic slowed us down tremendously. We had so many things ready to go with that. And, it, it was just touch and go for, I want to say a year of trying to figure things out. As of right now, the movie is like 98% done. Like we're okay. almost there. We should be completely finished and done uh, within the next month or two, I would say. And then from there starts the next part of the conversation, which is the pitching process. Mm -hmm. So the thing that sucks, I've had so many people ask me is I might look at, we've been a grassroots tiny production that somehow my whole going on Netflix show and seeing what could happen it, it went better than I could have ever imagined so yeah. now it's just been a thing of it really takes time and you know I don't have a studio behind me I don't have any of those things and I think people think you're on a Netflix show and a Netflix talent now that this is what I'm saying people think it's that easy and it's it doesn't it helps a little bit but it doesn't guarantee anything as much as you think it would no, in my, in my experience, and this is just being a hundred percent honest for people, for your listeners, like in this industry, no one wants to give you shit. It doesn't matter what stage you're at or what level you're at. You have to fight for every single thing. And that's fine. Cause I I'm down to always prove myself. It's just frustrating at a certain point where you're like the whole reason I was so excited to make the film when it happened I, again, it was before I didn't even know the circle would ever be a thing in my life. Like to me, this movie was going to be my first thing to establish myself as not only a serious actor, but a writer and a producer. And, you know, you would think after you're on a hit show and your career blows up, it's like, I have a movie. All you have to do is hit play. Like, cause most people in this town is what here, read this. I have a, and I was like, no. And you still, it's, done, it, yeah. it's an uphill battle still at this, at this point. But I feel very, very good about um, where we're at with it. I'm, I'm happy it's actually taken longer because we've partnered with uh, some great people to help us shape the film up and make it the best version of it that it can be. And, you know, I, I think that there's a very strong possibility. It could be a Netflix original or oh, be amazing. If not a Netflix original, other, other, you know, services out there that I think it could, it could do really well on. But I mean, me just being who I am, I'm a kid who's all about loyalty. Netflix put me on the map. They did. Every single person there is amazing. That's not even kissing their ass. I have a movie I want to get with them. No, yeah. I, I'm always honest. If I didn't have something good to say, I would say it. They're all fucking amazing people. They're so smart. They know what they're doing. And they're extremely collaborative. So for me, I haven't played that card yet because I'm not stupid of shooting your shot for it's ready. To me, it's like I need to be professional, finish the film, come in with not only myself, but my my other partners and other people who are who I've worked with to finish the film and basically put our, our best foot forward and be like, look at I'm a Netflix talent. 
you guys have launched my life and my career. We've been on great terms uh, about wanting to work together again. This is done. Like this mm-hmm. is done. And this is my real passion. This is where I've really, you know, what I've been really working towards. And this is just something to say, I did this with nothing. If you give me something to work with, I could do a hell of a lot more. So, you know, we'll see what happens when that time comes, but it, it should be an interesting conversation. That's so exciting. Yeah, I mean, this basically will be your calling card now. Um, and it's really smart that you are playing a role that's not, that's a, that's different from who you are because people people who know you through the circle know you as as you, you know? And you you sort of defy the expectations that come with when people see someone who looks a certain way, they think, oh, well, this guy must, first of all, they're probably like, he must be from Jersey because that's that's the that's the stereotypical thing, right? You must be from Jersey if you're Italian and have like an East Coast accent or whatever. Yeah. Not true, you're from New York, there's a difference. And so you've already kind of defied that expectation and you won the show by being yourself and just being a nice person, which is another expectation that you defied because most people think to win a show, you have to be kind of a dick and you have to be like super political and manipulative and you didn't do any of that. Yeah. So, which is, which is honestly really cool. And I think that's, that's important for people to know is like, you know, there are still, there are still good people out there that can find a spot on TV and can win a competition without being an asshole. Cause we're just kind of used to seeing that. Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, that, that was the, the shock to me of even with the show is I, and I, I've said this in, in interviews before, I thought I was doing the biggest flop in Netflix history. Like I truly did because I don't know the reality world very, very well, but all I know is, is, you know, sort of like the real housewife shit I watched before this, like, you know, that's all I've ever seen of people fighting, hooking up this and that. And I just went on there with like the intention of, I'm just going to go be me. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to betray myself or or television or try to be the shining star or anything. I'm just going to be me, man. Cause I've always just, I'm very confident and I believe in who I am and I've always been a natural born leader. So I'm just going to go have fun. But, you know, it's one thing to have the actual filming experience go as it did, which was beautiful. And I never in a million years thought I was going to win. Like truly never thought I would like, that was never in the realm of possibilities in my mind. I just never thought that. Uh, But to then see post the show coming out and the way it was received was it was received for all those things that you were talking about that it wasn't that and Mm -hmm. people really responded that it was just people being just kind of good people and not being nasty with each other and and going to those places so to me this show was lightning in a bottle for my life there could have never been another show like this like with that concept of like you're locked alone i can't get myself in trouble really because i'm by myself i mean all these things and uh yeah, man, it's, it's, it's crazy looking back on it in retrospect, seeing how perfect it was at the time in my life that it came. Yep. And I think you'll find too, as time goes on, like sometimes opportunities come and you do them and you're like, oh, that was just kind of out of the blue, but I'm glad I did it. And then you get some perspective and you're like, oh, that had to happen for this to happen for that to happen. So I think even over totally. the next year, you'll probably, it'll click even more into place why that show came into your life when it did. Well, since you mentioned reality TV, should we talk a little bit about The Real Housewives of New Jersey? You were so kind as to watch it. You you normally don't watch Jersey or any Housewives, right? No, so I have seen this before because my mom and dad and sisters are fucking obsessed. obsessed. I love it. No, okay. Obsessed. Like yeah. all they do is sit on the couch and watch like here's the thing, bro. 
there's like 50 different housewife shows. I don't know how people keep up with this shit, mm-hmm. but I have seen this one before and I'll tell you why. I So everyone who knows me knows I have a thing for blondes. That's my thing. Mm-hmm. I love blondes. If I'm into someone who's not a blonde, that means I'm really into them. I am for years. I have such a crush on that Melissa girl. She is Melissa oh, Gorga. Oh my okay. God. She is so sexy. It's unbelievable. Interesting. All right, great. So this is where I want to start. I want to know, first of all, do you remember the names of people? Well, Teresa, you have to know Teresa, right? I know the, I know the three. I know the three people. Teresa, Teresa Melissa, Melissa, Joe. And Joe, uh, Joe as in Melissa's husband. Yes. Because there's like three Joes on that show. Yeah, there's there's Melissa's husband and then there's the, the douchebag dude who is uh, who Teresa's divorced from. Yep. And then there's also uh, this episode, there was a guy, uh, Joe, there was another Joe who's Margaret's husband. Margaret's the one, she's the other blonde. Dude, I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating. I watched this show so intently because like I was telling my buddy RJ beforehand, like no one going to discuss it. I felt like I was going to get like, you know, like when you're a kid before school, like uh-huh. you're going to get like quizzed on shit. And if you yeah. don't know every, and I'm like, shit, who's this person? And they're arguing <laughs> no, about what happened. No. That's just my OCD brain is like, I got to know it correctly. So, okay, so that was what I wanted to ask you because you kind of jumped in in the middle of a very intense season with a lot of layers, a lot of things going on. Were you able to follow what was happening just jumping not in? Not even a little bit. No, <laughs> no, not even a little bit. Uh, it literally every ep- like when I when I go home and I visit my parents or when I'm on FaceTime with my mom and I hear these shows on because they're they just live on Bravo, my entire family. Every fucking episode is just these women just fighting and screaming and throwing wine at each other. And I'm just like, all right, this is like every other episode I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look a little older because I haven't seen it in years. So like they yeah. look a little older. Uh, they're fighting about her getting the divorce. And I've seen all this shit with, with them and they were in prison. Then he got, uh, what did he get? He got extradited. And I think he was looking for Trump to try to help him. And then Trump didn't help him. Didn't help him right. Yep. All this shit going on. And then, uh, you know, I seen, I remember years ago and I'd watch my mom, I think because their brother and sister that they weren't on good terms. Now they are on good terms, which mm-hmm. is, that's a good thing. Like, right. It's a good thing. So that whole thing has Jersey's different from the other ones because the first few seasons were all about kind of like two families. And, you know, normally these shows, it's like you have six or seven women who are not related to each other. They just kind of all hang out right. together. In this case, the show was specifically about families. And so if you kind of enjoy that kind of like godfather legacy families and all that stuff like that really appeals it's in that way this show is a lot different from the other housewives in the way that it's similar it's that it's them fighting and throwing things at each other and i actually when i asked you to watch this one i didn't even realize there was going to be a full on like explosion at that table with joe so, and but come on this is like every episode it's right? not like, I swear. Like, this, like this episode was like the stereotypical formula for what i would think of as one of these shows of like starts off from like the previous thing right everything's yep. sailing for a minute but boom we're right into it shit's hot then after shit's hot and like everyone's ready to kill each other everyone loves each other mm-hmm. it's calm down that brings us to the middle right <laughs> let's set up some plot let's have some fun let's 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 embrace life a little bit then someone says some shit. Uh-oh, commercial. Act three. Shit yep. is back on. It's about to be heated up. Come back next week to see who kills each other in the death match. It's so, crazy. I just want to say that you literally recap the whole show in 30 seconds. And um, that's very impressive because I usually take a whole 30 minutes to do it on this 
podcast. So, um, I mean, okay. So I guess my sort of general questions for you then. Yeah. The, the biggest issue people have with Teresa is her idea of loyalty. Her idea of loyalty is that you defend her no matter what, even if she's wrong, you defend her, don't ever go against her. Is that, what is your idea of loyalty to a friend? Do you think that a good friend sticks by you no matter what, or does a good friend kind of call you out in your bullshit? Both. Uh, I mean, where I come from, especially my family's old school Italian, like that's the way we were raised. Loyalty is fucking everything. And that's mm. been my everything in my life. And, and like, that's what's led to, it's hard for me to have relationships with people is being screwed over by a bunch of people because when I'm lo- like, I am loyal to a fault. I will take a bullet for someone. Most people are not like that. And that's what's really sucked. I don't know who the hell raised most of these people today. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. But my thing is, if, if it's me in that position, then you're my, you're my boy or you're a girl who I'm friends with. Like, I will have your fuck. And I'm sorry for my language. I have a filthy mouth. I just no, want that's to say fine. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know. It just, I feel like I hear my mom being like, stop swearing. And I can't help it because I start talking. No, uh, please. I don't care. But I look at it as like, if I'm with, if I'm friends with someone or I'm there with someone like, and I see someone talking about you or doing something, I could agree with them, right? About something they're saying, but fuck them. They don't have the right to say anything about you. Mm-hmm. They better shut their fucking mouth. Don't speak about that person, this, that, and the other thing. Because if I got a problem with you, it should be like here, one-on-one, and I'm going to call you on your shit. I, I always say to people, I would never try to embarrass you in front of anyone. Like, that's not me. And I would never and I would never stab you in your back, ever, with anything. So, like, I always tell people, like, if there's something I liked about this, this episode, to tell you the truth that I respond to mm-hmm. is when uh, him and his sister, Teresa and Joe, were fighting, and by killing each other. And then at the end, they hug and kiss each other and it's fine. Because the, the whole thing I come from with the way I was raised is, is I always tell friends out here, especially because people are so fucking sensitive and I can't take it. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a mentality of like, for us to be friends, that means we always need to be fine and good. Right. And if like we get into an argument or something happens, <gasps> the friendship's over, everything's changed. Like there's no going back to where I'm like, no, the most real friendships and relationships you have are the people who tell you to go fuck yourself mm-hmm. when you're when you're being an asshole and call you on your shit and i could say you're being a fucking dick right now and you could say no you're being a fucking dick and we have it out and nothing's gonna change mm-hmm. it's more that i love you to death that i'm gonna tell you the truth right. and when it's all said and done i'm gonna hug you and kiss you and we're good and that's it like that's just the way i am but most people i've seen it happen i hear so many times when i because again People say they want honesty. They say oh, they yeah. want that. Yeah. No, they don't. They right. they they say that because they know that's the right thing to say until they get honesty, and then they look at you like, "What the hell? Oh, why would you say that to me? My poor, precious ego and heart." And it's like, yeah. "Grow up. We're all adults here. Come on." So then you didn't bump on the fact that you know, as angry as Joe got, slamming on the table and stuff. Because to me, when I watched it, I was like, "Oh, that turned like they hugged it out really fast." In my opinion, like that turn came really fast because I guess. I guess I'm, I'm in the other camp you're talking about where if I was in that kind of argument to that magnitude, like there would have to be a full like separation for the night. And then you come back the next day and you talk it out. But I guess maybe because they're brother and sister, right? They hash it out in like 10 minutes. Well, and also too, like just, it's, it's hard for me because everything I watch, I do watch it with the industry lens of production and, and looking at how, not that I know how it's made every time, but like mm-hmm. looking at wondering how they do it. And I'm sure, you know, that, was something that was a decision made in the edit because I'm sure that to was a whole night mm-hmm. of, of arguing mm-hmm. of things that happened. But 
you you have a you have an episode and an arc and a, and you know structure you need to hit that let's get the juice mm-hmm. and then let's get the heart really quick and get to that turnaround but i mean yeah i do think it was over the top i mean i don't i don't like the whole slamming shit and and dramatic like that i mean for me that's where i feel like i feel like these people are smart they know what they're doing their cameras going like they've been on this many many times and i don't think it's fabricated and let me state like a lot of people say they think rally tv is scripted i don't think that with this shit i just think it's enhanced right. with their the way they're fighting and doing shit because i think if they were having an argument without the cameras they would be arguing mm-hmm. and be going at it but i don't think necessarily slamming shit and i just think that's you know an effect of the cameras being there and knowing that i gotta get even more angry when shit is when shit is happening but I do think, uh, I do think, you know, with some of these, these women, I'm just like, man, like, can't you just be rich and happy? Like, Jesus Christ, like, like, fuck, man. Like you guys just give people a bad name. Like you just look like miserable humans and sitting there drinking your wine and gossiping about this and about that. Like get a fucking life, man. Like, I don't know. Did you get a sense from what you watched of what the original issue was between Teresa and Jackie? Because that was sort of like, that's been the whole season thing. Did you understand what their original problem was? I mean, I'll tell you the truth. It's like every other episode to me that I've seen. If like someone said something about something and then someone- Okay, so exactly. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much it. But I, I want your opinion on this specifically. So what happened was in the first episode, Teresa arrives at- this party for Jackie's husband. And she starts, she gets wasted and she starts telling everyone else at the party, I heard that Jackie's husband, Evan, uh, goes to the gym and like hooks up with someone or whatever, right? So she's spreading it around. So it gets back to Jackie and Jackie's like, what the fuck, she didn't tell me this. And like, why is she spreading this at my husband's party about him? Fine. Yeah. Jackie's super devastated. She and Teresa sit down and she's like, Teresa, I want you to own that you like made up that thing. And Teresa's like, I didn't make it up. I heard it. It's it's what I heard. And she and so they keep going back and forth. So finally, Jackie's like, okay, I heard that your daughter does coke in the bathroom at college. And then Teresa flips and she's like, she's like, cut, 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 cut. It was like they had to bleep it out like 20 times. So now that that's been the whole issue this whole season. It's like, well, she came after my husband. It's like, well, you dragged my daughter into it. And she's like, it was a hypothetical. I didn't actually hear that your daughter does coke. That's literally what this whole thing has been about. So hearing that, do you think Teresa's in the wrong for spreading that rumor or should Jackie not have used Teresa's kid as an example? Uh, I mean, to me, it's even playing field because <laughs> I mean, my thing is just like, if, if you heard someone's husband was stepping out, mm-hmm. Which I don't. Again, I'm just trying to think of. I don't know what any of this means or what's no, going on with these people. But uh, <laughs> you know, don't be the fucking scumbag who goes and brings it up because then you're you're looking to to spread the rumor without spreading the rumor. Like mm-hmm. you're looking to 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 do that, and that's someone's family, that's someone's spouse, that's someone's partner. And, kids. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing: a lot of marriages are fucked up in the world. Not necessarily meaning everyone gets divorced, but if that is a problem that's going on, that's no one's fucking business. No one needs to know that because I'm sure eternally everyone knows what's going on and it's terrible. So if you're going to go low like that, I, it's even playing field. I mean, you can't be mad for someone throwing a hypothetical like that because she essentially got the reaction she would, she was looking for of saying, this is why you need to keep your mouth shut when it comes to my family. So mm-hmm. uh, to me, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally warranted. Okay. Uh, Probably the last question I want to ask you about this episode. Uh, 
Teresa brings up this thing where when she and Jackie kind of hash it out, Jackie's like, well, I'd love for you to talk to Evan also. And Teresa's like, that's not how I was raised to talk to the husband. Like usually the wife talks to the husband to like convey my apology. Is that a real thing that you've heard of? Or is this just like a bullshit? Do you think Teresa just didn't want to like hop, like own up to it? I mean, look, here's the thing I've realized. Every family is different. Everyone has a different thing. Mm -hmm. So maybe I just call bullshit of someone who's uh, who's, uh, who's too afraid to, to man up and, mm -hmm. and have a conversation. I mean, to me, I just, from the outside looking in, it looks like this this Teresa girl just wants to be the star of the show. And, and she knows the the whole way of, uh, you know, staying relevant, getting that bigger paycheck and having the tabloid clickbait articles is by spreading shit at any cost that it doesn't matter who it hurts or what it does to someone else. That's just my outside viewpoint looking in. <clears throat> That's honestly what a lot of people feel as well. So basically what I'm getting from this is you were able to like tap into this and pretty much pick up. It sounds like you picked up a lot of it and what you're saying is pretty close to how most people are feeling now, so. Oh my God, if you could only just talk to my sisters and my mother. And why aren't they here? What the yeah, hell? I wish I was with them because this, like, this would be their moment to just shine because this is all they do. I'm not exaggerating. This is all, it, even my father. My mm. fucking father gets in on it. He, <laughs> and starts talking about the this one and the that one and this and that, like, Man, like I gotta give kudos to Bravo. Like they know exactly what they're doing. They got a great, pe you know, a great demographic of people who love this shit and are into mm -hmm. it. For me, I just, I just look at it, just like I, I watch it. I'm like, oh god, <laughs> just mm -hmm. such a headache of like these people are out of their minds. It's crazy. I at some point I want to get you to watch an episode where they don't throw things because I swear and what sucks is like I can't even prove that to you because in this episode they flash back to other episodes where they're throwing shit Dude, every episode I, I like I because when I'm home my mom I'll be like mom I'm going upstairs and she's like sit with me so I, I sit there on my phone you know and listen right. and I swear every episode is, is them fighting about something or like there's like that rare moment where it's like their kids are shown and the kids are sweet and quiet and like the kids are the reminder of like can't, why can't we all just get along because like mm -hmm. we're sweet kids and all that shit and then if it's not that it's you know the the reunion shows with andy cohen i, I fucking love andy he's the man like he's a great dude mm -hmm. and like them all fighting about some shit of who hooked up with who who cheated with who who's doing drugs who's a closet alcoholic all this shit and i'm just like jesus christ yeah <laughs> it's fucking crazy I don't know. I guess sometimes though, if you really step back and like see the arcs that they've had, like for, for Teresa, especially like not so much on the show, but what the show did to her and, and her life and what she let it do to her life, which in my opinion is like, you know, she had Joe, she had the kids, she got on the show, she flipped that table, right? She, she got put on the map, she blew up. And then there's this thing of needing to keep up with the Joneses. So they start, the money starts getting a little shady. They start signing things they're not supposed to be signing. Then they get caught she goes to prison, he goes to prison, he gets deported, they get divorced. So if you if you take out all of like the <clears throat> the sort of day-to-day -day reality TV stuff, as a character arc, I think it's pretty interesting sometimes what, what happens with some of these women when they get a taste of the fame and the attention. And, and you know, like being on a show like that, the level of celebrity, it's like, you're not quite treated like an A-list Hollywood star, but mm -hmm. you're also a person that lots of people know. And it creates this confusion in your head of like, am I famous? Have I made it? Like, am I untouchable? 
And, you know, we saw with Jen Shaw, who is a real housewife of Salt Lake City, like she just got arrested a couple of days ago and that's kind of blown up into this big thing. So at least from that perspective, I think there is something for a storyteller like you, there is something there that I think you might be into. But yeah, when you're in the weeds, watching the fighting and the throwing of the cheese and stuff. Yeah, I can see how it all kind of blends together. Yeah, I mean, to tell you the truth, in, in regards to like what you said, I, I see it the same as I see most people today who are trying to be important on social media, mm -hmm. uh, trying to play up a thing of X amount of followers and likes and comments. And, and I mean, stuff to me that just means nothing. You know what I mean? Of like, there's so much more to life than that. Mm -hmm. And that's where I, I look at things of, uh, you know, especially especially for these people who come into this industry. Like, I I, I just think maybe it's, a, I'm from a different old school era, but I just looked at the era of like having real talent and getting to a place of, of building a craft and a skill level where I think the the downfall, I think with a lot of these people on, on these shows and, and stuff is, yes, you do get big, you do get these things, but I think the, they don't take the right message from it. They take the wrong things that mm -hmm. people are recognizing them for. And it sort of ruins them internally. And they get you to a place of what, you know, what's going to make you happy. Yeah. You know what I mean, like what's going to actually be that thing that's going to actually satisfy you and make you a happy person. Well, I think you are a prime example of somebody who takes the medium and figures out how to make it work for your larger goals, which I think is really cool. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for watching Jersey and everyone, please look out for Young Lion of the West. I'm sure we're gonna see it distributed in some amazing way this year. So we're rooting for you, Joey. Thank you so much. Don't forget to follow Joey at Joey Sasso on Instagram, even though he doesn't give a shit about Instagram or if you follow him, just follow him anyway. I think he yeah, likes it a little bit. Man. You're the man, bro. Nah, for <laughs> real, it's it's all it's all fun. I think for for everyone watching, when it comes to social and shit, like I have, you got to embrace it. Yeah, you do. Part. You do. It's a huge part of it's a huge part of everything. I think my thing is, I just I see people don't ever speak up on the other side of it, where mm -hmm. I I want to always be that dude who just reminds people like it's important, it's fun, it's cool. I yep. get it. We're blessed to have it. Just we have to live in the real world sometimes, though, too. Yeah, you just can't let it, you can't look at other people and what they're putting up and take that as their reality and, oh, everything's going so well for them and what am I doing? Like, you just have to know where to draw the line. So I definitely agree with you there. Absolutely. All right, thanks so much, Joey. Yo, thank you so much, man, it's been dope.